Daily Drive is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Innovation. Resilience. Agility. It's how Michigan businesses continue to work together to make a difference now and shape the future. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org slash radio. I'm Jamie Butters, Chief Content Officer at Automotive News, and this is Daily Drive Rewind, a look back at some of our nearly 350 Daily Drive interviews with leaders from across the industry. Today, we revisit publisher Jason Stein's conversation with Brian Benstock, General Manager and Vice President of Paragon Honda and Paragon Acura in Queens, New York. In this discussion from August 24th of last year, Ben Stock shared his experience of being a car dealer in hard-hit New York City during the pandemic's early days. He also discusses his own bout with COVID-19 and his newfound appreciation for life. Here's our Daily Drive Rewind with Brian Benstock. Hi, Brian. Good to talk to you again. Jason, good to be with you. So, you know, it's funny, Brian. Uh, we don't have to think back that long ago, and it was you and me on a podium in um, in Las Vegas at the Consumer Electronics Show, and we were we were talking about the about the digitization of the retail world, and then of course you've been kind enough to be a guest with us during our uh, dealer uh, discussion retail forums. Um, but what a change we've gone through! Tell me about the changes you've gone through. Well, you know, uh, we had our, our dealership closed down, you know, by uh, COVID. And the, the zip codes surrounding the dealership were among the most impacted um, anywhere in the United States of America. Sadly, uh, Corona, Elmhurst, Queens uh, are uh, directly uh, adjacent to and contiguous to the dealership. And, you know, we, we were hit pretty hard with, with COVID. Uh, I, I, I'm thankful that we had gone on the journey a number of years before and, and starting our digital retailing solution. And I think it was really one of the reasons that we were not only able to survive, but to, to actually thrive and to grow into, uh, into this as we came out of the pandemic, the worst part of it, in, in May and into June and July. So, Brian, I want to hit on something that you just said, because this is really unique for us here. You, you just mentioned you were at the epicenter of the beginning of all of this in early March, in that where you are located was the hottest spot and really one of the original spots outside of Seattle in in the country. Tell me a little bit more about what that was like in, in early March for you. It was, it was you know, early March was, was pretty good. You know, actually, we had started out at the beginning of the month with the, uh, the data that we had showing that we were on pace for a record month in terms of uh, sales volume, service volume, and, and net profit. And, you know, that, that was really encouraging. And I was sort of uh, saying, hey, this, you know, the coronavirus is, it, it's not as bad as we thought. And then uh, the data started coming in and uh, businesses were asked and were forced by the state to close down. And it started to have a pretty significant impact. And, and in fact, like you said, uh, Jace, the, uh, VIN, uh, the VIN numbers, the zip codes around the dealership were, in fact, the most heavily impacted uh, zip codes in the United States of America and potentially anywhere in the world. And Elmhurst Hospital, which is about two miles away from the dealership, was, was really just uh, one of the most infamous hospitals for uh, treating patients. And 
sadly, the amount of fatalities that we experienced uh, right around the dealership was just horrendous. So it, it was, uh, we went from really a great beginning in March to um, a, uh, an immediate uh, end of all business. And I, I prepared the business for a reduction in revenue. I mean, you know, we've had so many good years of growth. And you, so you prepare yourself for a 10%, a 20%, 30%, even, you know, even uh, 40% uh, lack of revenue. And what does that look like? Uh, we did not. I never made a contingency plan for 100% reduction in revenue, and it was something that you know, many businesses uh, never prepared for, yet had to deal with as a reality. Brian, you yourself had COVID-19. What was that like? You know, I got um, diagnosed somewhere around the 13th or 14th of the month, and you know, I, I, I won't say I was a non-believer, but I just thought I'm healthy; it's not going to happen to me. And all of a sudden, I started getting the symptoms. Uh, I didn't feel well. When immediately went home, told my wife, I don't think I feel well. And she said, no, it's, she took my temperature. It was a 98.8. And she said, you're fine. I said, no, I, I run 97.4 all the time. That, that's warm. She said, don't worry about it. I offered to sleep in the basement. She said, no, stay up here. And I stayed up. I woke up the next morning with a 101 fever. And it was, oh, no. And it was a disaster. I mean, I, I uh, sympathize with anybody that's lost anybody to this. I can see how that's possible. And Jason, to be honest with you, there was a night there where I didn't know, uh, I, I felt like I wasn't gonna make it, and not being dramatic, but it felt like somebody put two 45-pound plates on my chest, and I wrote a, a little note to my wife uh, and said, here are the combinations to the safe, here are the lawyers you need to contact for this, here are the accounts you need to contact for that, love you, love the kids went upstairs while she was sleeping and put the note there. Um, thank, thankfully, I'd taken uh, uh, hydroxychloroquine, which I don't want to get into controversial, it was prescribed, and I really think it made a, a big difference. And that particular night, this, the, the COVID virus broke for me, and I, I sweat like never before. I lost six pounds that night, and that was the beginning of the healing process for me. And, and you know, uh, the next morning I woke up, I took the note back from my wife, Uh, that uh, many customers preferred to come to the store. 
store, but a higher percentage than ever before, were now comfortable buying online. And I, I think the COVID uh, virus has accelerated the process in our industry for online retail by about 10 years. You know, I think um, the industry is running at about 1% end-to-end online sales, and people, everyone tells you, no, it's higher than that. The number is 1% end-to-end. Uh, we were running at about 6 or 7%. I look forward uh, to getting the data on that. I think the numbers are going to be much higher across the country uh, post-COVID. How did it change the way that you're structuring how you sell right now? You know, I I think the the consumers are driving all of this, right? We're going to build it the way the consumers want. And I I don't have my... I'm not in favor of them doing it one way or the other. You know, I I think Apple is a very good example. Uh, Apple doesn't care if you buy the computer or the phone online or in the store. And I think, uh, but, but isn't it amazing how they've created a uniquely similar experience, whether you're in store or online. So the way that it's causing us to look at it is how do we do something that's like, and everyone says, oh, I want to create the Apple experience. I, I get that. But I, 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 rather than creating the Apple experience, I want to you know, have, take the best parts of it, We're really to have a similar look and feel online or in store wherever the customer chooses to purchase the car. And I'd love to see the OEMs really continue to get behind that so that uh, each of the Honda dealerships provides a similar experience to the customers. It's not, you know, Big Bob's does it Big Bob's way and Paragon does a Paragon's way. There really should be a Honda way. And that Honda way uh, should be leading the way that customers uh, are able to purchase or service with the dealership. That would include Honda getting behind pickup and delivery. I know a number of dealers uh, are doing that right now, but it's fragmented, Jason. And and, uh, for the customer, it can't be if I go to this Honda dealership, uh, this is how they handle pickup and delivery. If I go to that dealership, this is how they handle it. I mean, I love the entrepreneur spirit and the creativity uh, of having each of us do it differently, but it's confusing to the marketplace. And I think that's one of the incredible advantages some of these upstart companies have. They get to create it from scratch, like you know, Elon Musk and Tesla. They don't have a hundred different Tesla experiences. They basically have one. And for those that would say, well, you know, these are independently owned and operated, and you can't do that, I, I would disagree. I think that there's a real opportunity there. We'll have more with Brian Benstock after this. Innovation. Resilience. Agility. It's how Michigan businesses work together and continue to build the future. Our expertise, talented workforce, and collaborative environment are making a difference now and shaping the future. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org slash radio to put your plans in motion. That's michiganbusiness.org slash radio. Brian, as you look towards the back half of the year now, what are your biggest concerns? Everybody's talking about inventory. Where are you on inventory right now? Well, you know, in um, December of last year, I said the 2020 was going to be Paragon's best year ever. And um, I am holding uh, that uh, target. You know, we don't move the objective uh, with changing circumstances. You know, we, we, we change the circumstances to hit the objective. And, you know, the inventory's a little bit tight, but of course, right now, most dealers aren't complaining about that. We're seeing a resurgence of reasonable margins uh, right now, and I think, yeah, amen for that. Uh, I, I do believe that uh, 
that margin compression was caused by the overproduction and the constant overproduction of vehicles. And I think this right, right now the uh, supply-demand balance is, is pretty good. I, I suspect that the manufacturers, all manufacturers, are going to uh, ramp up production as quickly as they can. Um, and I, I guess they're running into some supply chain problems with different parts manufacturers and suppliers. Uh, so I'm told it's not going to go as quickly as I thought. But, you know, I, I think that uh, if we've learned something, uh, it's that we can sell less cars and still retain healthy margins and satisfied customers. And I think that's uh, been a positive change. But in, in answer to your question for us, our inventory, um, I was fortunate to ask Honda uh, in March while sick uh, to, uh, to purchase some additional inventory. And on certain models, they didn't have any, but fortunately, on other models, they did because many of the dealers had turned down cars. And um, I, I wasn't so smart in being able to request cars. I saw some of the data that was coming out of Singapore, who were really two or three months ahead of us on uh, what was going on with the coronavirus. And I had heard from some associates that I knew over there that the market was returning quickly and that many customers were transitioning uh, from Uber and mass transit to sedans. So I contacted Honda and I, I tried to buy 200 uh, additional sedans in March. And I wasn't able to get 200, but I was able to get some additional uh, production. And that really saved our butts now. So we're, we're, we're in decent shape. Um, we're being cautious with the inventory because we really don't know how it's going to sh shake out. We, we have a, a, a view right now of August and September. So we, we should stand to have a very healthy August and, and, and a very good September. I suspect that as we move into October and November that the supply is going to increase. Uh, let's hope the demand stays there. Yeah, do you worry about the consumer spending side of this, just knowing that stimulus programs have ended and um, there's a, a, a bit of a worry of uh, was this just immediate pent-up demand or is there some long-term viability here? Well, you know, the pent-up demand part of it, I'm not so sure that there's, there's, there's really forced demand because, you know, you, you, you took two, three months worth of production out of the cycle, right? So any reduction that you would have had in uh, COVID-related demand was offset by the reduction in production. And then you've got that new phenomenon in metropolitan areas where, uh, I think, according to Google, 25% of the people that use rideshare, mass transit, said, not, I'm not going to do that now. I will not get into a, a, a vehicle for fear of safety and uh, a, a public transportation vehicle or, or uh, mass transit. And I think that has offset any lack of demand. Uh, do I have concerns about the economy and the future viability of it? I sure do. I mean, we've had a, a party here with a couple of trillion dollars in stimulus money being pumped into the economy. And, you know, what's that going to be like uh when that money's run out, what's it going to be like next year when we don't have one, two, three trillion dollars pumped into the, the economy? Uh, and, and then, oh yeah, what are we doing about the millions of people that are out of work right now? You know, that that uh, is something that's going to have to be addressed uh, to get uh, people back to uh, to get people back to work. And many people that would be willing to go back to work cannot go back to work because their jobs aren't there. You know, whether it be uh, a restaurant or whether it be a, a gym owner, or whether it be a, a movie theater workers and, and sports arena workers, and thousands and thousands, millions of people that just don't have a choice. 
that 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 can't exist for very much longer without it having a negative impact on the economy. And give us the view from where you sit now in the most populous city area in the country with the word that restaurants are not coming back, um, that many of the jobs that you just mentioned are also gone away for the um, in you know undetermined future. What does it look like? Jason, I'm an optimist, right? And I think it's, it's, it looks like difficulties mixed with opportunities, right? So, so you've got a lot of major businesses on Madison Avenue, retailers that have gone out, right? But from what I'm hearing, though, is that the rents are starting to drop on, on Madison Avenue to a more reasonable rate. Some of the, the retailers that were in secondary uh, places, locations, are now moving at a lower rent to the primary location. So, you know, you've got that Darwin thing going on, this survival of the fittest. And, and so I'm optimistic that the entrepreneurs, the salespeople of the world are going to sell us out of this, that, that, that the retailers are going to figure a way to get it done. Uh, but, but many retailers are also figuring a way to get it done that no longer involves as much dependence on brick and mortar. And I'm hoping that uh, some of the OEMs are taking a good look at that and saying, hey, why don't we open up Tesla-type operations. We've got to be competitive. Why don't we let Paragon have a satellite place within its ASA, uh, where it's just a boutique uh, showroom uh, for, for Honda and Acura together, and uh, for, for Paragon to be able to open up one of these boutiques someplace and to, 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 to fill a gap without the normal restrictions that would be on a dealer to have a you know a $20 million facility. It's not, that's not sustainable. But I think what is sustainable is for us to creatively come up with ways to serve the market and, 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 and uh, this new uh, customer today. And, and Jason, you know, if you look back in, in, the, in the late 50s uh, or the early 50s, there were some 30,000 dealers, maybe more, almost 40,000 dealers, and we're down to about 17,000. And I don't know that that's a bad thing, right, as a means of distribution. Uh, have improved, we've needed less rooftops. I just think that that's going to continue to accelerate, right? As, as dealers find uh, new ways to reach more customers more efficiently, you don't necessarily need to have uh, as many rooftops. Or if you do have the rooftops, they, don't, they, they, they can look differently. You can have a hub rooftop where you've got everything there, and you can have satellites where you can do most of the transactions very much uh, similar to the Tesla model. I, I, I love the innovation that Elon Musk is brought to the industry and other uh, leaders like the guys from Vivian. And I, and I think we would be uh, really, uh, uh, it'd be wise of us to take a look at that and say, how can we do that? This is our game to win or to lose. And, I, and I, I'm optimistic that uh, we retail automobile dealers will figure out a way to win. Final thing, Brian, how has having the coronavirus changed how you operate your own daily life or even your view on COVID-19 specifically? Um, I, I would say that I, I took it seriously, but not, not to the extent that I needed to take it seriously uh, until I got hit with it. And when I got hit with it, you look at it very differently. I, you know, many uh, friends of mine, dealers uh, in other parts of the country, are blowing this off. I, I had a dealer say to me, you don't understand my market. My market is a bunch of people with pickup trucks and guns uh, on the back of those pickup trucks. And, and, and I had to tell the dealer, I said, listen, uh, people with pickup trucks and guns get and die from coronavirus, and, I, and I, I don't think you can help be changed 
when you're personally impacted by it. I think many people are cautious and, and, and uh, rightly so, but once you've had it, I, I think you look at it uh, differently in terms of how you behave, how you look to your, uh, your, your, your customers to behave. You know, we are requiring that everybody that comes into the dealership wear a mask. We've got double protection. We've got a, uh, a, a barrier between the salesperson and the customer plastic barrier uh, partition. And it's great, it doesn't interfere with anything. And both parties are wearing a mask. So, you know, I think it's incumbent upon us business uh, owners and leaders to do everything we can to take it seriously. And to, and I know most people do, and not to blow it off. Um, but, you know, it's sad to see some of the guys that blew this off and ended up passing away from it. And uh, I just hope that everyone stays safe and that we uh, can continue to get back uh, to uh, normal business in the near future. Brian, I'm glad you went and put that paper back into a safe place. Yeah, yeah. So am I, Jason. So am I. That's it for today's Daily Drive Rewind. For breaking news, type in autonews.com. And for a library of our previous Daily Drive episodes, go to autonews.com slash daily drive. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening.